Welcome to A Walk in My Stilettos, where our goal is to help you walk in your greatness. I'm your host, McKinney Smith. Hey, Faith Walkers. Thank you for joining us on the A Walk in My Stilettos podcast, where we have conversations with amazing women that are letting us step into their shoes. I help women to own their stories, conquer their fears so they can reach their goals. I get inspired when I see another woman succeeding, but what interests me more is her backstory and her mindset on how she got there. So today's guest is about to bless us with her testimony, and since you're already here, you may as well subscribe. Today, we have Dr. Sania Mayo. She's a psychotherapist, author, and screenwriter. She's also the founder and CEO of Girls Gossip and Women Network, LLC, created to empower young girls and women. Dr. Mayo's strong interest in the social science led her to pursue a BA in criminal justice in the hopes of working with at-risk youth. So please welcome to the show, Sania. Hello. Thanks for having me, McKinney. (laughs) Thanks for agreeing to come on and share your gems with us. Of course. Anytime. Anytime. So I just wanted to say, I mean, I love social media because it allows me to connect with so many amazing women like yourself over the years, I guess, when I started coming out of my comfort zone and adding different people to expand my network, you were one of the people that I added originally on Facebook because I took a look at your page and you had a lot of inspiring messages and you were about uplifting and I felt that your messages totally resonated with me. So thank you for staying connected. Of course. I feel the same way about you. You're very inspirational. Thank you. So I love to start the show with an icebreaker question because I believe that as women, we have so many different titles that we go by, so many different uh, labels, but I feel that a title that is not given enough significance is our names because our names have meaning. So I would love to know, Sunia, do you know what your name means? Yes, (laughs) I do. It actually means a mother or one who nurtures is Arabic. And it completely fits me because I'm a nurturer and I'm a helper. I love it. Love it. Wow. That's awesome. I love to ask that question because growing up, my parents had told me that Mikini meant beautiful one. And I used to go around as a little girl and every time someone says, wow, your name is so unique. And what does that mean? And I'd say beautiful and they'd smile and I'd smile and that would gas my head. But then as I became an adult and I started to seek more truth and I looked into what my name meant and it's Swahili for strength of character. Yes. So I truly believe that every time someone says your name, they're affirming who you are and your name Mm -hmm. is said so many times a day. You have a beautiful name and a beautiful meaning. Thank you. You as well. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) So I would love to know what did you want to be when you were a little girl? To be honest, when I when I was younger, I actually wanted to be a doctor. Um, mm-hmm. That initially changed, you know, over time. Growing up, I have six sisters, and so, you know, I always was the go-to, even though I wasn't the oldest. And so they would always come to me for advice. My brother died when I was uh, twelve. I tell the story all the wow, time. Sorry to hear that. My parents didn't. That's okay. You know, we live and learn. We learn a new normal after we lose someone that is close. And I know you lost your sister as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had to learn how to cultivate my gift because I was a helper. My sisters and people around me would always pull on me. And so after my brother died, I became an at-risk youth. And so I didn't know how to cope. I was angry. I don't think it was 
until I was 19 years old that I realized that I hadn't mourned the death of my brother because I was trying to be there for everyone else. Mm. And that led me to want to pursue criminal justice to become a probation officer to work with at-risk youth. Well, while interning at the probation department, it's more paper pushing and Mm. it's more reports. And so you didn't really have time to work with the probationers. And I wanted to be hands-on with the people. And it, it wasn't until my husband actually told me, like, people always call you with their problems. You might as well get paid for it. Mm-hmm. It made me realize that I was not tapping into my gift as a therapist. And that's what led me on the journey to pursue being a psychotherapist. Because it's it's what I do, and it's, I, I do it for free. It's what I love. Well, I don't do it for free now, but I was doing <laughs> it for free my whole life. And it's what I love to do. I love that. One love of the that. things that I love to do. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So what else do you love to do? <laughs> I think years ago when we were growing up, it was like pick one career, or pick one thing you want to do. And I'm one of those people that I do so many different things that I don't like to be held in the box. Like I'm a writer. My first love was poetry. And when I was 10 years old, you know, I was taught a haiku poem in fifth grade, Miss Meter at Walnut Elementary in Chino, California. I'll never forget that. And it made me fall in love with poetry, and I began to start doing short stories. And so writing has always been a way of um, self-expression for me. I would mm-hmm. write poems of, you know, what I was going through and how I was feeling. It, it allowed me to cope. And I didn't even realize at such an early age that I was actually using writing as a coping mechanism. Right. And so I love to write. I'm an entrepreneur at heart. There's so many things. I want to do movies. So I wrote uh, my first screenplay. Haven't put it out yet. But I've never put myself in the box because I feel like the sky is the limit. And why just pick one thing if you have multiple talents? Absolutely. I believe that. I mean, some people feel that they only have one gift. And there are people like us that believe that we have multiple. So I definitely, I definitely agree with you on that. You said that writing, you didn't realize then that it was helping you cope. And I guess from a professional experience and both personal, I want you to, if you can, speak to the importance of writing out our feelings. Because I believe in journaling, writing down how I feel so I can process my thoughts. And I've used that as a coping mechanism as well. So I'd love for you to explain how that is a coping mechanism. From a personal perspective, I have so many journals years, years ago that I keep. and. Like I said, before I was a therapist, I didn't even know that was a coping skill. It was just, for me, it was a way to write down how I was feeling and let it out. I've always been, um, when people go through things, some people need to talk to someone. I've never been like that. Mm -hmm. I've always needed to sit there with my thoughts and just process what I was going through before speaking about it. I've always been like that. And then from from a therapeutic perspective, you know, journaling is a way of letting it out instead of bottling it all up mm-hmm. and holding it in. Because we know when you hold it in and you don't let it out in some form or another, you end up exploding. And that it could be, you know, talking to someone or just writing it down. But at some point, you have to get those feelings out of you. And so writing is another form. It's, it's like talking to someone, but you're just, you know, talking to the, the paper and the pen. Right. Or the pencil. I love actually both of those things. So I'm, I don't know, I guess the way that my brain works, I need to write down how I'm feeling for me to process it and to understand it and to, I guess, organize my thoughts. And that's why I enjoy writing. And sometimes just using my journal to just 
empty, you know, my thoughts and especially my feelings that I'm, I've been suppressing that I don't feel comfortable talking out and sharing with other people. But I've actually found lately, as someone who doesn't like to talk much, that it depends on who I'm speaking to. But if we can have a very deep conversation where I'm hearing myself speak my feelings, like that talk therapy, hearing myself work it out rather than, you know, sometimes you're talking to someone and they don't even give you a chance to fully get out how you're feeling. They're trying to give you a ton of advice, especially if they're not a therapist, they're just speaking based on opinion (laughs) and they start to confuse you with all of their thoughts and feelings. But I found when I have conversations with people who are actually good listeners, me being able to talk out how I'm feeling so that I can process it myself. I'm not necessarily looking for advice. I'm just looking to express what's inside if I'm not able to write it down. Absolutely. I agree with you completely. Um, I think many times when people give advice, they give advice from their own experiences. And I'm, I'm constantly telling people that we all have a story and our experiences are completely different, even though it may be around the same thing. Like I can have five couples walk into my office and they're all dealing with infidelity, but I may tell them all five different things. Mm-hmm. Because it's unique to their situation. And I think, you know, when giving advice and listening, we need to be mindful, whether we're therapists or not, that when we're giving advice is for the best benefit of the person and not because that's what t- something we've been through. Right. And so now we're trying to project our pain and hurt and put it on them and think because we went through that, they're going to go through the same situation when that's not really always the case. Right. Absolutely. So what was your intention when you started the Girls Gossip and Women Network? You know what? I didn't even realize it was going to go to where it was going, to be honest with you. I just wanted to do a video, something that was inspirational. And my husband, he came with this quote and he's like, Girls Gossip, Women Network. So I'm like, oh, okay, that's kind of catchy. Like, you know, a girl's mentality, you could be a grown woman, but still have a little girl's mentality. So it's Mm -hmm. not really about age, it's about mindset. And so I love the phrase. And then so I end up doing a video. And so then from the video, I start doing workshops. And then from the workshops, then I was like, wait a minute, I think, you know, girls would really benefit from this because I was a therapist at a high school for three years. And it, it was in an affluent neighborhood. And so you know, most people think like, oh, rich kids don't go through the same thing that, you know, kids in a lower income community would, but it's not true because you have social media, you have self issues. So when they would come into my office for a crisis, it never changed. Mm -hmm. Obviously girls came in more, not because I think they have more problems. I just think girls are more willing to talk about them than boys, but it all went back to no matter what the issue was, whether it was self-harming, whether if it was like family issues, schoolwork, it always went back to how they viewed themselves. Because Mm -hmm. in reality, if we don't feel good about ourselves, our perception of the world is kind of messed up. Because if we don't feel good about ourselves, how do we feel good about anything in life? And so I created a curriculum for, well, boys can, anybody could benefit from the curriculum because it's tailored for girls, but it's universal, if that makes sense. So I created Mm -hmm. a curriculum And then I start pitching it into the schools. And then that's when I came up with the company, Girls Gossip and Women Network LLC. Because I touched them at an early age to teach them, you know, because we say, well, you know, by this age, you should know this already. Or you should know this by now. You're 22 or you're 30 or you're 40. But it's really not age. It's really mindset. Right. So I'd love to point out that 
it started with the intention of a video and how it evolved into, you know, workshops and what it is today. And the reason I want to point that out is there's a lot of women who want to do something and they're stuck because they feel like, oh, they don't know how. And I always tell the women that come to me, okay, what is the first thing, like, what can you do today? What can you do right now towards that? You may not know exactly what you're going to do to get there the whole way. And I honestly believe that it's our job to know what and God's job to figure out the how. So when you focus on the next step, just doing what your intention is for that step, and that's when you'll get the next piece of the puzzle to be able to figure out you know, where it's supposed to go. So I love how you started out with the intention of just a video and it evolved into, you know, what it is today. Well, I think there's a difference between the dreamer and the doer. And mm-hmm. the, the crazy thing is I'm both, you know, I'll, I'll jump out the window and expect the wings to come, you know, while I'm <laughs> jumping down. That's, that's faith, girl. Me. I get you. That's me. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that's just me. And so I'm not fearful of anything. If I have an idea, I'm going to tackle it. And I think many times the things that hold people back is fear, you know, right. the doubt of can I do it or what people are going to think. And so I block all of that out. Obviously, it doesn't always go how I plan, but I never allow my fear to stop me from doing anything. I'm a dreamer. Mm-hmm. Like I dream big and I, I don't even talk to a lot of people about what I want to do because they think I'm crazy. And then when they see it, they're like, oh, you said you're going to do that. Because I believe in not just thinking about it, because most people just sit and think about what they want to do. They just think, think, think. And it's like, okay, so when are you going to take action? And so you can't just be a dreamer. You also have to be a doer. Yes, people sit and think about it until they basically talk themselves out of doing it. And the action that you take in that moment when you're thinking about it is what gets you the results that you want to get. You can read all the books you want. You can go to all the seminars that you want, all the workshops that you want. But if you're not taking any form of action, it's not going to get you anywhere. No. And I I love how you spoke to the fear component because that's what I guess pulled me out of where I was stuck from. And back then the acronym for fear was false evidence appearing real. And now I look at it as face everything and rise because everything that I've ever wanted was on the other side of what I feared. So I had to learn to push through that fear in order to get the rewards of what it was that I wanted. And I'm glad you pushed through because women like me and people around the world, you know, we need positivity. We need something that is a reflection of what we need to do and what we need to be. And just touching back on fear and most people think like, oh, you know, you said you're a dreamer or doer that you don't get scared sometimes. Fear and self-doubt is always going to come up, right? And I've just right, learned yeah. to do positive self-talk and talk myself out of the fear and the self-doubt because that's always going to um, raise its head. But you just have to know how to overcome it and keep going no matter what other people are saying or in what your thoughts are telling you. Yes. And I love earlier what you said about you know, you don't tell people what you're going to do because they'll think you're crazy. You just do it. I want, I guess I want you to go deeper in on that because I'm a person who believes that if you are doing big things, yes, the average person is going to think you're crazy because their limited mindset of what is possible is not the same as your belief in what is possible. So I guess I want you to go a little deeper on that so people can understand that Others may not always support your vision or what it is that you're trying to do because they don't understand it. It's based on 
you know, their perception of, I guess, what they feel is possible for them, not necessarily what's possible for you. But when you take the action and you do it, you become that example of what is possible. Absolutely. And you you hit it right on the head. I've learned in this journey that the people that you think are going to support you are not. My greatest mm-hmm. support always comes from my inner circle or people that don't know me. And when I say inner circle, it's like my hand-picked friends. Because mm-hmm. I always tell people, like, we don't choose the family that we are born into, right? And we kind of hang out with our family and deal with our family by default because it's blood ties. But right. our friends are personally hand-picked. And I always tell people, when I gauge people and I observe people, I don't necessarily watch them. I First of all, I watch how they treat others in their circle because your circle kind of gives you a blueprint of who you are. And people say that's not true, but it's very it true. Is. Yeah. And the reason why my circle can understand is because we're like-minded. We have the same mindset. So when I tell them a crazy vision, they don't think it's crazy because we have a lot in common. Mm-hmm. Now, going on to like family and things like that, they never understand. You know, they never support you. It almost goes, you know, it's like um, equivalent to the scripture. Um, a prophet is never respected in his own country. It's like because yes. your family knows you, it's like, oh, well, that's just Tania or that's, that's just right. Tania. And so they don't have an expectation of you because their view of you is limited based on them knowing you. And so it's almost like they take for granted your gifting. Yes. Where someone that is not exposed to your gifting, they see it and they're like, oh, my God, like, I need this. She has information. She's wise. But the people around you, because they get it all the time, they don't value it. Right. So therefore, they stop valuing you. I love it. <laughs> I have goosebumps as you're talking. I'm like, yes, that is exactly <laughs> the same thing that I say to my clients. You said exactly like the same words, everything that I tell people all the time. I love it. I love it. You know, you spoke to choosing, I guess, the friends that you share things with because they get it. So I call mine my celebration circle. And that circle is very small. Mm. It's the Mm -hmm. people that I've handpicked to know that I can celebrate my wins with them. They are also going to celebrate with me. They, you know, I have accomplishments that I won't share with my family first because they will just bring my vibration down. You know, to them, it's Mm -hmm. like, "Mm, okay, that's great. It's good for you. But I have my celebration circle where we lift each other up, we celebrate each other, we encourage each other consistently. And that circle I found life-saving for me because if I looked to family (laughs) to keep me uplifted and inspired in what I'm trying to do, I may lose focus or I may lose that drive or motivation that I have to help other people. But my celebration circle helps keep that fire lit inside of me. Absolutely. Absolutely. Family will step on your dreams, talk about your dreams and everything else. And um, I like the fact that you call it your celebration circle, because when my friends, they have a win, I'm just as excited as if it's my own. And mm-hmm. that's how your circle is supposed to be, because when one of us wins, we all, we win. all win. I tell, yes. Yeah, because if one of us goes through the door, we're all going. You know, we mm-hmm. hold the door open for each other. And so mm-hmm. when one of us gets that one key, we all got the key. I love, I'm, I'm a team player. You know, I'm a team player. I'm a humanitarian at heart. I'm always for the greater good. And sometimes it's, it's, I have to balance it because many times it was at the expense of me. I have to learn to not put it at the expense of me. But I'm always for what helps everyone, not just mm-hmm. me. And mm-hmm. I think, you know, when you have a team, or when you have a celebration circle or a group of friends, 
it's not about, well, realistically, life is not about you. We just, we're, we're very right. selfish people. We make it about us, but yeah. it's not about us, but it's, it's for the people around us and the people behind us. Like even with social media, you know, I had took a year off of doing videos and I don't do them as much. You know, I got some stuff planned down the line, but I don't like to do stuff to just be seen. I don't like to do stuff for just for show because mm -hmm. when I'm doing it, I want it to touch somebody. I want it to, want to make somebody. an impact. And yeah, yeah. So I don't want to mm -hmm. just, hey, look at me. Samir's on a video. And so in terms of your circle, it's like you're not just doing it for you. The mm -hmm. win is for the whole circle. It's for everyone. I agree. I agree with you wholeheartedly. So what inspires you the most about what you do? I'm a helper. Like I, I'm the... I've always been the person, and this is sad, but I'm going to say it. I was like the person that would bully the bully. Like I'm for the downtrodden. <laughs> I'm for the, I'm for the underdog. I have a heart for people, and and I love to help people. I love to see people thrive. That's that's why I love being a therapist. And just to see that mindset change, that light bulb go on, go off, and you know something in them sparks, and it lightens for them to understand their worth or. They could do it too. Like I get a kick out of that. Like I love, I don't read for entertainment. I love reading things that inspires me. Like yes. I like hearing people's stories. I don't care whose story it is. I don't care what nationality you are. If you have a, well, we all have stories, but people's stories inspires me because it's like, if they did it, then I can do it. I just mm -hmm. love, you know, to help. And that's what keeps me going. Like I would do it for free. I think yeah. people take advantage of free. And so I had to learn to get compensated for my skills or, you know, see the fruits of my labor because people will definitely take advantage of it. But I'm just a helper at heart. I love to help people. I love to provoke thought to get people to think differently, because I think if you you're never exposed to different people, that's why I love to be around different cultures of people, because if mm -hmm. you're around the same people all the time, the cycling the same thoughts. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. So you have to be around other people to learn different things. And I love giving back as well as I love receiving in terms of just learning. And, and I, I don't believe we get knowledge to just hold it to ourselves. I believe we get knowledge to expand and help and, and equip other people with knowledge. So I'm just, right. I love to help. I'm I love that. Like, I'm <laughs> yes, that is me. I can't remember the whole quote right now, but it's a Maya Angelou uh, quote, uh, when you learn, teach. Um, there's another part to that, but I can't remember it right now. But I love that. And I, I love what you spoke to about stories. And I think that's probably why I resonate with you so much is not only do we both love to help, but we both love people's stories and learning from it. And that's why I do this podcast, you know, hearing all of the stories of all of the women that I've had on the show over almost two years, I've learned so much from every single one of you. There's never been a conversation that I've had that I've walked away from and didn't gain value from it. No matter like what you said, no matter what nationality, no matter what age, there's always been something that I've learned walking away from it. And even after this conversation is over, I can tell you almost every conversation I have after this, I am still bringing up the stories from the women in this podcast because you guys all inspire me, not only with just your stories of resilience, but just your your journey in itself and the, the pieces from your story and how they resonate with mine and help to affirm a lot of the things that I enjoy that I'm doing because we can resonate with each other. I, I often connected. <laughs> yes, yes. Like minded. <laughs> Great minds think alike. <laughs> 
I often tell people, especially women of color, when we talk about mentorship, and I say one of my greatest mentors that I have learned the most from is an 88-year-old white man. And because Mm. he is nothing like me, so his life experience has been different. His perspective is different, but I have learned the most from it. And everything that I have learned from him is what I now go on to teach other women and other women that look like me. Because there are a lot of, like you said, when you're in the same circles, it's recycling the same conversation. So going into the circles of women of color and teaching them the success principles that I've learned from this man who has been studying mindset and human potential for over 50 you know, plus years. Mm. And he didn't even, I think he's only got two weeks of high school, but he is one of wow. the greatest, like, I'm not sure if you're familiar with Bob Proctor, but that's one of my mentors. And he is like mm. alive today, probably one of the greatest success coaches out there. That's a blessing. You know, that's mm-hmm. a blessing. And that's just a testament to everybody has a story. And even when you say he didn't, you know, finish high school. Because wisdom doesn't always come in a book. And I have to tell mm-hmm. people that too. Mm-hmm. It can, but a lot of wisdom is experience. It's the things you see, the things you go through, the things, because if you're going through things and you're not learning something, something is wrong. Right. And I that those like things are going to keep happening until you learn. Yeah. Yeah. In every situation, people, they, they get mad at me because like when people call me with negativity, I get irritated. Right. Mm-hmm. I don't care that you talk about the problem. But if you keep calling me about the problem, I'm going to get annoyed and I'm going to shut you down because I'm mm-hmm. a solution a solution focused person. And so in every situation, I don't care good or bad, there's always something to be learned, even if it's not to do it again. You right. should always learn something from every experience you go through in life. Every day you should be learning something. Absolutely. You know, that he just used because obviously it wasn't school. So he had the, the knowledge of life. That mm-hmm. taught him, and he was able to use that. And when people say, "Oh, I'm not educated. I'm not this," I'm like, everyone is an expert in a field of something. Mm-hmm. It could be parenting, it could be cleaning, it could be talking. Everyone is knowledgeable in a field of something, and you don't have to have a textbook to be an expert in it. Absolutely. I mean, he learned from other people who were successful. He followed what they were doing. He asked questions. He studied them. So that's how he was able to excel and now go on and spread that message to millions of, of other people. So I would love to know what advice would you give to a woman who's struggling to feel motivated right now, especially in this season? Oh, man, I'm so motivated right now. You know, even with the <laughs> coronavirus going on, man, I'm telling you, even with the coronavirus going on, um, people are like, this crisis but it's not my crisis. It's only a crisis right. if you make it a crisis. Again, all of the way how you look at the situation. Um, I was on mute for a whole year. And, and I always have to mention God because if I didn't, it wouldn't be real. You know, right, I spent a lot right. of time talking to God. And I don't like to do what everybody else is doing. Like, oh, this is trend. This is, but it's like, okay, at the end of the day, God, what are you telling me to do? What are you saying? And he told me this was my season and I believe him. And so I'm motivated. And I think, you know, even if that is not your faith, just always having a positive outlook in life is what can keep you going. Like when I meet people, I'm always looking to what can I get from them or what can I give or what, you know, it's always something that you should be exchanging. You know, mm-hmm. I never look at someone, you, it could just be a simple hello. You may, it could be a simple smile. And so just saying positive is just what keeps me motivated. Problems are always going to come. Trials are always going to come. 
but I don't allow them to overtake my mind and my peace. Mm -hmm. You know, having peace during this time, like I have to tell somebody, stop calling me because it was kind of annoying me. They kept calling me about coronavirus. And I'm like, even though that's going on, I've learned to have peace through the storm. Mm -hmm. I don't feel like because things around you are in chaos that you have to feel like you're in chaos too. Mm -hmm. You can have peace through the storm. And when you learn that, that will motivate you every day. But my motivation is my purpose. And when I've learned my purpose in life is to provoke thought, to change the behaviors of people, I'm unstoppable. And so I think that's key because when you know your purpose, you get up every morning with a task or something that you know you should be doing. Right. When you first started speaking about the advice that you would give to a woman and you were talking about, you know, what's happening right now with the coronavirus and people being in a panic and that it's not your crisis, it made me think of a quote from my mentor where he says, nothing is bad unless we say it's bad. So exactly, something could be happening right now, but before you panic and before you, you know, look at it as, oh my God, and turn this molehill into a mountain, ask yourself, what good can come from this? And I'm sure every single one of us have found positives in even this time with the coronavirus and this pandemic. And what you're saying about the person who kept calling you, I totally agree with you. And this is, again, why we resonate. I do not, I refuse to interact with people who are constantly sharing the negative news about the coronavirus or people even watch the news every day about the coronavirus because what we focus on grows and There's no reason why every single day you need to know the exact number of, you know, how many people are dying or how many people are infected. You don't need, how is that helping you? It doesn't. Right. It doesn't. It doesn't. I would love if you could finish this sentence. Resilience is? Resilience is power. Mm. It is change. It is balance. And it's undeniable. Mm, I know I said multiple things. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love it. (laughs) What is one thing that you wish more people knew about Sunia? That's a good question. I don't know. (laughs) Um, I wish more people knew that I enjoy time alone. I think when people see me too on videos and stuff, they think like I'm a... um, I'm a very outgoing person. I think it was you that told me about the ambivert. What is it called? Yeah. 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 So there's introvert, extrovert, and ambivert. Yep. Yes. Cause I could, I can be outgoing, but I prefer like, I, I love intimate small settings and conversations. Like I'm mm-hmm. not the type of person that want to be at a party with a bunch of people. Um, and I think sometimes when people see me in settings, they assume like, Oh, they're like, well, why are you so quiet? And it was like, that's because it was just us in this setting and I was having a good time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think sometimes because I'm a speaker or do videos or different things and people see me in my passion element, they assume like that's my personality all the time. But in reality, it's not. Mm-hmm. I agree with you a thousand percent. Uh, I love that. <laughs> it's funny because I have a lot of people that will message me and saying, oh, I wish I would, you know, could be as brave as you to do Insta stories and stuff, you know, talking and whatnot. I'm like, do you know how many years it took me to overcome my fear Mm -hmm. of, you know, being on camera or they'll see me talking on stage and, oh, I wish I could talk on stage with you. I'm like, do you understand how much anxiety (laughs) I have before Mm -hmm. I go on stage? Do Mm -hmm. you know how much positive self-talk I have to do to get there so it's not that it's not possible for you like and even what you said about just enjoying your alone time 
People are shocked every time I tell them that I'm an introvert. I enjoy my alone time. Don't get it twisted. Just because you see me on social and I'm very social on social media, but just like you, I enjoy small, intimate settings with deep conversations. I cannot stand small talk. I cannot stand networking events. (laughs) Can I be honest with you? Yes. I feel like in many superficial settings, and that was one of the things I told myself last year, I'm no longer dumbing myself down. And not to disrespect anyone, but I feel like in superficial conversations, the conversation is not interesting to me at all. Mm -hmm. I like to have deep, meaningful conversations, thought-provoking conversations. Mm -hmm. And many times when I'm out of my element and people are like, you ask a lot of questions. And it's like, I'm asking a lot of questions because I'm trying to engage you in a conversation. Because in reality, this is boring to me. Mm -hmm. I'm just trying to talk to you. And I feel like, I dumb myself down and people just think I'm asking questions, but in reality it's because I'm on autopilot and this conversation is boring to me. And mm-hmm. I told myself I'm no longer doing that. Mm. That's good. That's good. So have you had any coaches or mentors that have helped you along the way? No. And when you said that, I wanted to say that so bad because one of my prayers was, and still is, I just had a conversation with my husband about this last night. Like I feel like I'm always, giving the information like I could tell someone how to walk from A to Z and it always works and I and I tell God we, we kind of had a little tip the other night I'm like <laughs> you always have me walk these people from A to Z and give them all this information I'm like where are you going to send somebody to get me the key to the door and that mm. has been my life story like I used to be mad and I used to tell God like you know you should have named me opposition because everything is just like a fight but I don't, I'm not mad at it now because I feel like greater the, the calling, greater the responsibility. And I feel mm-hmm. like everything we go through, even though we don't understand it in that moment and it hurts and it, it's bothering, you know, it bothers us, but it's really to build us. It's really to equip us. And so I have went to people that actually had keys and had, you know, it wasn't, I didn't ask to get paid for it. But it's like, no, I've always get that turned down because I'm willing to give the information so free. So the only way I think I'm going to ever get a mentor or something to that extent is I think I have to go pay for it. I mean, mm. besides spiritual mentorship, you know, I have a lot of, you know, spiritual people in my life. But in terms of business, it just doesn't happen that way for me. I guess I got to go pay for a mentorship. I find two things. One, when I couldn't find mentors in real life, when I didn't look around and see anyone that I could emulate or that I aspired to be like, I started to look for mentors online. So when I transitioned from real estate into personal development, I was looking at, I don't see any women, especially women of color in the personal development space. So I don't have any mentorship. And I started looking online and I found women like um, Lisa Nichols and you know stuff like that too. And even Sarah Jake's, TD Jake's daughter, and people yes so I had to look at people that were in the position that I would want to be in and are doing the things that I aspired to do and when I started Mm. looking into that and following their journey and basically I guess finding the keys within their path that's when doors started opening up for me um, with mentorship in real life and then in terms of on a greater level, because like, like you said, sometimes you ask people for help, especially if they assume that you don't need help or you're at a certain level where you should be able to 
pay for their, their help. help McKinney. Right, because there are genuinely people out there that are not. I totally agree with you because they have the crabs, crab in a bucket mentality. Totally agree with you. Yes. So it's then at that point, it is making the investment, which is what I had to do with my mentor, Bob Proctor, was making the investment into myself in financially paying for that mentorship because although it may seem like a lot of money, it's an investment into my future self. Absolutely. I would love to know with everything that you are doing, and especially because you are so giving to others, how are you giving to Sunia? What does your self-care routine look like? So my self-care is my alone time. Mm. That's how I pour back into me. And it could just be simply sitting there with my thoughts. That's relaxing to me. Right. Some people, they may think, you know, they don't like to be alone with themselves. It's boring. But for me to have time, <laughs> you got to think like this. I have three kids and a husband. I have a business and I'm a therapist. So I'm getting pulled on all the time. And right. people may think, well, you have three kids. But those are three different personalities and people that need different needs that you have to cater to. And so when I just have time to just sit with me and spend time with me, it doesn't matter what I'm doing with me. As long as it's with me, that's self-care within itself. Yes. I love that you say that because I have three kids too, girl. I get it. <laughs> yes. With the, yes. the three personalities. <laughs> and people don't I get understand. It. It's like, we well, only have three kids. I'm like, that's three. You have to understand that's three different people that are pulling from you for different things. Mm-hmm. When you're mm-hmm. a mom, life doesn't stop. I have two adult children, but life doesn't stop because they're adults, even though society teaches that. But for every transition in life, you're teaching them something new. There's always going to be a pool. You never stop being a parent until you leave this earth. And thank you for saying that because people, I'm going to say, make the assumption that because, so my my son is 14 and I have a daughter who's 18 and another daughter who's 22, but people make the assumption that because my daughters are technically adults, that I'm not responsible for them. And I mean, (laughs) I am so responsible for them. And it's partially my fault because when I became a single parent, I tried to overcompensate. So I made them very dependent on me. So even now, as I try to wean them off of me, they are a lot of work. <laughs> no, every trip, see, this is what people don't understand. They think teenage years are hard, but when they get to a, because when they go to college, when they get their first place, when they get married, when they have their first kid, I mean, they haven't gotten married, enough, but all these things is this level of parenting because mm-hmm. you're, you, okay. As a parent, I tell people out of all the stuff I do, I always tell people the hardest job in life is parenting. My kids are not bad. They're not troublemakers, but you're molding a mind. Like that's mm-hmm. a huge responsibility. Absolutely. That's a huge responsibility. And I don't I think people were like, well, you're just a parent, but I'm like, it, when you take parenting serious, it's so much that goes into parenting. Mm-hmm. I can say, yes, my daughter's 22, my son is 20, and so what, they're adults, but it doesn't work like that. I still have to help mold their mind. Mm-hmm. They're still learning. Yes. That's, girl, I need a moment of silence for that. <laughs> <laughs> my 22-year-old texted me right before this recording, asking me for help on, because she's an entrepreneur and she wanted some some help on coming up with captions and stuff for her marketing. I'm just like, <sighs> <laughs> they're still yes, learning there's always something <laughs> it's always what do you do you tell your kid no like I mean, there's some things you want them to do on their own but parenting does not stop and in our culture i think they teach us 18 they're eight like no that is the mm-hmm. worst advice ever mm-hmm. you are forever a parent every transition in life requires new teaching for them 
Mm-hmm. It's like you don't have a kid go to middle school and then high school. They're out on this. No, there's ninth grade. There's t- same thing with life. There's always something that they are learning that they are going through. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. So completely off topic. There's a question that I ask every woman that comes on the show because I came across this Reader's Digest article and it basically says that your favorite type of shoe says a lot about your personality. And so far it's been on point. So let's hope we stay there. But my question to you, Sunia, is what is your favorite type of shoe? Is it a high heel boot, a running a shoe, heel, walking heel, shoe, heels? Heel, heel, okay. Heel. Would you yes. say like pumps or fancy stilettos? Fancy stilettos. Fancy. <laughs> <laughs> I, I probably had, I just started buying tennis shoes, to be honest, last year. Because okay. we were traveling a lot. And obviously you can't wear yes. heels throughout the airport when you're traveling. But to be honest, for years, for years, I only had one pair of uh, tennis shoes and that was my workout shoes. Okay. I am a heel person at heart. Yes, I love okay. heels. Tell me, what does that say about my personality? Because so. I read articles. <laughs> <laughs> uh, women in flashy stilettos work hard and have excellent taste. Women who wear flashy stilettos like Jimmy Choo's and Christian Louboutins or other heels inspired by their aesthetic may seem materialistic, but these women are actually incredibly hard working. They have major drive, determination, and standout work ethic. This is someone who says yes before she says no. She's very willing and very open to possibilities. She also really loves and values beauty. So she surrounds herself with beauty, whether it be things, people, or how she lives. It doesn't have to be expensive. It just has to be pleasing to the eye. You walk in and you go, oh my, what a lovely room. Or this is so inviting. She has a knack for being able to create an aesthetically pleasing space. That sound uh, like you? Yeah. The only difference, the only thing that's not me is I'm not really caught up in aesthetics. Like, don't get me wrong. I, I like nice things, but I, I'm not an interior designer. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I hear I what you're saying. Yeah, I would, I'm creative in other ways. Like my husband and my kids, they're very artistic. They're very. That is not my thing. Mm-hmm. It's not my thing. Yeah, but everything so you know else funny? is definitely on point. I say yes before I say no. <laughs> what I find funny with what you said just now is, you know, you you like nice things, but you're not like interior designer or stuff like that. So. I'm also the stiletto woman. So, for example, if I'm dating someone and we're out shopping and they pick up two shirts and they come to me and say, okay, tell me which one you like most. Without me looking at a price tag, without me looking at anything, my choice of the one I like the most is always the higher quality one, the one that's usually going to end up being more expensive. My eye for nice things, like, <laughs> it's, it's on point, basically. <laughs> I would have, you know what? I never tried it. Maybe I would have to try it and see. Yes, try that with your husband. I would, I would love to know how that works out. <laughs> yeah, I am a quality person, and he gets mad at me because even with stuff that we do, like I, that's why sometimes I hate the videos. So if you go and watch the videos, I hate absolutely because they're quality, and my husband is quantity, and he gets mad. Just do it, and I'm like, no. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm definitely <laughs> a quality person. I like stuff to be done right. Yeah, I feel you, girl. I feel and you. A, and have a certain look to it. Yes. Okay. So, Sunia, tell the people where they can stay connected with you online before we go to the final segment. Sunia Mayo, everything. So, SuniaMayo.com, all social media, Sunia Mayo, S A N I Y Y A H M A Y O. Awesome. 
And I will definitely have the links where they can connect with you directly in the details section of the episode. So for the final segment of the show, I call it a walk in her wisdom. And it's just a couple of quick reflection questions. And you say the first thing that comes to mind. Name a book that has changed or greatly impacted your life. I would say um, Black Privilege um, by Mm -hmm. Charlemagne. That's one I recently read. And it actually gave me a better understanding of him. And it actually allowed me to see things through a different lens. Okay. What new belief, behavior, or habit has improved your life in the last five years? Consistency. Mm. Okay. What have you become better at saying no to in the last five years? And that could be distractions, invitations, family. Helping unnecessarily. Okay. Uh, If you could have a gigantic billboard anywhere with anything on it, what would it say and why? Treat people how you want to be treated, because I think many times people want to be treated a certain way, but they forget to how to treat others. I think we we lack in that in society. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I love that. Okay. And last but not least, how has motherhood changed your life? Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, because I had her at 16 and I was really, you know, in an at-risk stage with, uh, you know, after my brother died. I just was really like doing stuff that was completely out of my character. And to be honest with you, having her is what made me change the way I thought because I wanted more and to be more for her. You know, and that's why I say parenting was the hardest job because kids don't do what we say. They do what we do and they're watching Mm -hmm. us. And so, you know, my thing is always trying to be an upstanding woman, the woman of my word. Um, character, you know, just things that I want my kids to emulate. And if I want them to be that, then I always have to reflect that. Because mm-hmm. some things are taught and some things are caught. I like that. I like that. But I can see why I resonate with you so much. I mean, I had my daughter at, well, I was 16 when I got pregnant, but I had her when I was 17. And just like you, I wanted to do better and be better for her and the legacy. It wasn't about me anymore. Sunia, so, I want to thank you for taking the time to join us and sharing your testimony with us. I truly appreciate you. I appreciate you for having me, McKinney. This was, this was a blessing. I just felt like I'm talking to someone I've known for years. I love Even it. we've known each other on social media. <laughs> Through social, but, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Thank you so much. And to all of you faith walkers out there, until next time, subscribe on all platforms and rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. Join the community of faith walkers and sign up for our weekly newsletter at awalkinmystilettos.com. And make sure you grab one of my personal development books available online everywhere. And if you can think of one person that would receive value from Sunia's testimony, please share it with them. Screenshot this week's episode and tag us on Instagram. I'm at The Real McKinney Smith and Sunia, you're at Sunia Miles. And continue to walk in greatness in your stilettos in a manner worthy of your calling.